Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast! Uh, my name is George. I'm here with Sean. Hello, Sean. Good all, good good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, Georgie, Georgie, Georgie. Where are you? What are you doing? I am in sunny Spain. Um, I've just come from happy hour, so I'm happy. And I'm in just off Malaga in Club La Costa World, and just come from the pool in lovely 30 degree heat. So I'm happy as Larry. Very nice. I'm here with Nigel. Hello, Nigel. Hello, George. Where are you? What are you doing? I'm in my shed. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm here with John. Hello, John. Hello. Where are you? What are you doing? (laughs) I'm at home and I'm on my computer talking to you. Can can we just hear about Nigel Shedd? Because he's a new presenter for this podcast in its seventh season. I'd like to hear about Nigel Shedd because I understand it's a little bit special. Nigel? Um, well, it's wooden. Uh, it's 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 five meters by four meters, and it is filled to the brim, to the point of bursting, with West Ham memorabilia. What kind of mess- stuff you've nicked, or what kind of memorabilia? <laughs> That's a question you know the answer to, and I'm not going to answer. Uh, but it's got uh, programs Thief. going back to the sixties. West Ham fanzines, West Ham magazines, pictures, books. Uh, big sign? Big sign? A, c- a couple of big signs, yeah. I've got stuff out the bowling tunnel that I bought, as well as that I didn't buy. Um, I did promise you, cause, because when I went to the bowling just before it got knocked down, I've got the remote control for the scoreboard. I've got the the technical logbook for the bowling ground. I've got a number of other bits and pieces that I've promised podcasters that I will give them. And I still have a really big black sack full of stuff for them bowling. So I will add to your collection. I I, I did promise you that. I think I promised you the logbook, didn't I? You did. All gifts gratefully received. I I, I received a box this week from a good friend who sent me um, some magazines, programs, but some great 
old fanzines, including ones I'd never seen, Who Ate All the Pies. Um, it was a couple of issues of that, which it's good to look back over the old fanzines and see everyone moaning. <laughs> Let's hope um, there's not many people here who know where you live, Nigel, because, you know. That, that, that is true. Uh, it is a secret. Uh, <laughs> do you still live in East Ham? Are you still, do you still live at 443 um, uh, Green Street Lonsdale next Avenue. to where yeah, David Gold that's was? It. 443 Lonsdale Avenue. That's it. Well, that's the end of your shed stories then, Nige. Yeah, come back next well, week for we more that, shed updates. More another shed update. Uh, so let's talk about West Ham Well, and the game at Southampton. Uh, I was the only one who went, but I guess we all watched it in various ways. What was John's excuse of not going? He had prior prior engagement in the evening, didn't you? I did, yes. Which went on till 2 o'clock in the morning. And Nigel's? Uh, Well, I'm so used to watching us lose away, I might as well just do it on the telly. And that's what happened. And that is what happened. Where to start, really? Should we start with... Well, obviously, the the first half performance as a whole wasn't really that impressive at all. But obviously, Arnautovic sending off did us no favours. But, you know, we we were already... Was it... Were we 1-0 down at that point or 2-0 down? One. So I think. Were you drunk? Was was I? No, I wasn't. It was just you know, just you all blurs into one, didn't it? In Did the I? pictures you sent us, you looked a bit drunk. What in the picture of me? Were wearing you doing a, um, like sombrero. tenants extra or special brew on the way up on the train? Yeah, Down. scrumpy scrumpy jacks. Were you drinking scrumpy jacks? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Were you? Obviously not. No. With, um, with your with your TV <laughs> friends. Yep. They were probably on That's a Prosecco. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I wasn't drunk. I just didn't realise what point of the game the Arnautovic sending off happened. So do we blame him on the on the poor first half performance? No. Yes. I do. Why, why do you blame him? I mean, he obviously had a moment of madness. When you buy a player like that, who's got an ego as big as a house, you expect some kind of reaction but in my view we hadn't turned up even before he's sending off had we turned up we were one nil down we looked the poorer team so he could have scored so that was a good move so actually i'm not sure you can say we hadn't turned up but he made it twice as hard didn't he he did all down to one man nigel not the whole defeat no but I think he's culpable for putting us in that position. Yes. You need to wake up and smell the roses, Nigel, because there's a deeper problem than just a Nortovich, as Jay would call him. Do you mean there's a deeper problem? Well, have we actually improved? Is the problem more deeper? I don't want to go on a bit more without actually spelling it out. Billage. Oh, shut up. Oh, anyway, guys. Anyway, carry on, George, with your... Well, no, I think that's what what we're here to do is debate. Um, But, Sean, I think you last week, you were were sticking up for the signings, saying that the the board and the manager have made great signings. So now you're saying that Billich is to blame for our lack of improvement. Is that right? I think... I mean, on paper, they're all great signings. No, Simone Zaza was a good signing. They're not right. all great signings. 
Torre was a good signing on paper, allegedly. You know, name someone at the time who actually had a problem with the signings we made. The answer is no one. Even Snodgrass and Font, right? When we signed them, people went, yeah, it's a good bit of business. Only Font people scored... you talk to, Sean, in your little no, world. No, 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 come on. When world. we signed Snodgrass, did you say to me, John, oh, my God, we've got that. Yeah, I, 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 I said to you, can you, it was typical West Ham, we lose Pyatt and get Snodgrass. How more West Ham can you get? You know, yeah, but you're, you're, you're comparing one not, with the other. You didn't yeah, yeah, say, well, oh, Snodgrass is going to be completely useless. No, but I didn't say great. It's a great signing, did I? He's, a, he's another average Premier League um, Premier League player, which is obviously he's got, I would say, he's got some kind of sort of personality issue going on with the squad or whatever. He's not settled, is he? So they want rid. But I, I understand. I and so. for me, this was the first game that we had to prove ourselves. You know, I didn't expect anything with Man United. Typical West Ham, 2-0 down, get back to 2-all, lose 3-2 in injury time. You could have written the script yourself. Uh, I know we're going to say the really big start of the season now is against Newcastle. But if he loses three on the bounce, well, four on the bounce, if he loses against um, Cheltenham as well, that puts him in a really tricky position. And Clarence and Hugh might have to run a village pole. Well, that, it, well, it does put him in a tricky position. I agree. But I don't think that any will benefit at all from sort of rushing to get rid of him this season. Just because, you know, I think there's an argument to be said that when you play your first, well, four games now it is away from home. You're going to struggle, aren't you? No one, no one else is dealing with that. It's the way exactly. we play away. Yeah. No, is there any exactly... positives to take from the game from you? I well, mean, yeah, you so went. Mo- yeah, mo- moving on 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 the on the Southampton game. So, I think Jose Font had a terrible game. I think he's another one that we can we can point a finger at for the for the result. I think his overall defensive work, the way the way Gabbiadini walked through the defense in the for the first goal, pretty much, and. Uh, also, his sort of, I can't remember who he fouled, but whoever he grabbed round the neck and pulled down to the pulled floor back, yeah. to give the second penalty, or the first penalty away, you know, I think he's another one. But we came out second half and I thought we battled really well and I think they were shooting down our end after the, the goal in the first half, just before half-time. I think that made a big difference as well. And uh, we got back to 2 all, and I think... It was, me and Nigel were chatting about it before we started recording, but I think it was a very, very soft penalty for the, especially a penalty like that in the 93rd minute. I think, you know, it, it feels like it's always us that it goes against. And was that, that we the never font one or the other one? The one in the 93rd the one, minute. The one in the 93rd yeah, minute. I, that lost the game. I was at the airport at the time. Remind me. It was who, the one who that caused that, the penalty. Is that Oh, right, our, yeah. The first one was the font one, which was definitely one of our. Uh, one of our other great on-paper signings, Sean. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you but just, you know, let's all celebrate those... Little P because Little P scored a brace. Yeah, well, all all of those decisions. See, I don't think that the ref was terrible. You know, I mean, they did. They were, you know, that even that penalty right of the death, we would have wanted that. If that was against us, we would have wanted that. You know, you see him giving and you don't. So the fact that it was given isn't a shocking decision, I don't think. But you do see them not given more. Yeah, than you do. Than you, do. you do see him not given. Or, but the fact that it was given isn't shocking because he did lean into him. He did make the most of it, but he did, you know, but he did do it. 
as in you know Noble could have gone quite easily. We should, I think, we should have had a penalty from handball. I think the bloke lifted his arm to the ball, so I think. It, there, but there were some decisions that sort of didn't go either way. But all in all, the sending off you can't complain about. Both of the penalties, I don't. Well, the second one had soft, but the first one was a definite. You know, Noble could have been sent off as well. So it was just a pretty poor performance again all round. Defensively, we were all over the place. Yeah, does it? I mean, the defensive defensive issues that are, are there for everyone to see now, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Font, like you say, Font is all is is awful, and he's not he's not produced since he's been here. He's but those pretty shaky. Going back to the last season, the bowling. The reason why we didn't finish top four at the bowling was not offensively, but defensively, and they never addressed it last season. And we struggled with the defence last season. And then he's walked into it this season. And, uh, you know, I've, they've bought the name Zabaleta, but he's not the player Zabaleta. He's 32 years of age. His pace has gone. If he was still a good a good player, Man City would be playing him. You know, it's, they've not strengthened but it's the defence. now, right? And let's, let's not overreact already. Let's concentrate on Little P, who scored two goals... And he proved to me, right, the positive I'm going to take away is he proved to me what a goal poacher he is, you know? And this is the second ball. What have we said last season? We just missed those second balls. And twice, little tap-ins for both of them. But he just shows that, you know, typical West Ham, off the post, off the second ball, bang. And, and little P's in there. But Chikorita. he needs someone up with him. That's the thing. Yeah, but, but he got second two goals. And off. I yeah. think that's really going to hold us well, the, you know? The, the second goal only happened because he had someone up with him, didn't it? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the second was unlucky the, not to score a great side. Yeah, but but I, think, I, think, I, don't think, I don't think the second one was a tap-in finish either, to be honest. I think he'd he done well to, to, to hit that so quickly on the bounce and finish it the way he did. I mean, he is I, good. I don't he think, was good finishing. It, I don't think he. That's that. For me personally, that hasn't had to be proved. I've always known he was a good goal poacher and a good goal scorer, and I think he is a great signing and will be a great signing for us. But he needs to play up front with someone else. Let yeah, me I just agree. give you the stats because I know we haven't done a running order because I'm away and no one else does anything. But oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> how was your possession. meeting in the week, George? All right. Possession. Yeah, it was good. Southampton had sixty-six percent. To our 34. Southampton had 14 shots at only five on target, but West Ham had 16 shots with eight on target. So, you know, all right, we didn't have the possession, but we had the shot. 16 shots, I'm going to say, eight on target to their 14 and five on target. And it goes back to We're the unlucky. point, Sean. It goes back yeah. to the point that if we had 11 men on the pitch, we probably would have won the game because I yeah, thought I second agree. Half, we Don't get me wrong. Team. Right? He was stupid. Uh, he deserved to be sent off. There's talk of him getting up to a five-game ban. You sent me something. Was that what he, he put out afterwards at like two o'clock in the morning, George? Yeah, he put a public apology on his Instagram. What, what time was this? I heard it was like early hours. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, he won't get a five-game ban, will he? Well, I'm he just won't. saying that's that's what the talk is of um, uh, if it gets reviewed. Three games, surely. Won't get five well, Hackett games. was talking about this. I say I, I don't. I oh, haven't Hackett knows fuck all, does he? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no way he's going to get a five-game ban. He might do. You know, it, it was a 
a, a blatant elbow and a revenge attack, wasn't it? Is how it's being portrayed in all the media. But it that wasn't I've him. Seen. It wasn't him that done him in the first place. It was no, another. no, I know. But it, it, they're, what they're saying is, is he as a person has, has sought revenge and and made a elbow purposefully on a defender. Didn't matter who it was. Yeah. I'd be absolutely shocked if he got five games yeah. for that. To be fair, the way got... he's playing, can we not ask for a five-game ban? <laughs> <laughs> Unfair. I he, uh, signing. He posted on his Instagram, I think it was overnight after on Saturday night, I want to apologise to all the West Ham fans. Just want to let you know, I didn't want to let my team down and you fans, so please, sorry, come on you Irons, a big apology to you all. Uh, there you go. So what's what's the what's the answer? We are defensively shocking. So is that Carvalho the answer? Is he? No, no he's a he's a, well, he's a holding Chiarty, midfielder. We? Yeah, well he helps, doesn't he? Though. Carvalho does. He's an uns, unsung hero in my view. Sean, I don't know if you've heard, but have you have you had any update from Winston Reid? Not from him. On I him. did actually. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit out of touch in Spain. Um, but I uh, I have been sort of been sent a few messages and I did say something. Let me just give you a injury update on Winston Reid. Winston's calf injury looks like to keep the defender out of action for the weekend against Newcastle. The medical staff um, took the injury serious enough to take him off during the warm-up. Um, so it sounds like... Um, it's a grade one calf strain, um, about 10 days. Um, okay. So it doesn't sound too bad. He's probably just going to miss the the um, the cup game against Cheltenham and, and the, the the barcodes. Is, the um, is James Collins fit? I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Collins, so for me. Collins and Ogbonna on, on, yeah. on Saturday. Collins for me, I have a fight. Yeah. Or, you know, bring Reese Burke back. Why not? Anyway, that's Southampton. Any more for any more on Southampton? No, I don't think so. Nothing to see here. Move along. It was unfortunate. You know, we, we, we would have all been in a better mood uh, if we'd have got the draw and we'd have held on. You know, we'd have accepted the point. After being 2-0 down and down to 10 men, 2-2 would have been a fair result. But, you know, we're West Ham. Same old West Ham, what can you say? Always us. Yeah, always Sean, us. Can, can you introduce this part of the podcast, please? Sure, sure. Just share what a gruffer has to say. Slavin, do you feel an unlucky manager today? Uh, yeah, we lost a point, but but we gained a lot of things. Uh, we showed the character, we showed the quality, we showed the, that we can cope with ten men, that we can score two goals, that we can stop them from scoring. And uh, to be fair, uh, we started also good. We had we had two or three chances to take the lead. We didn't, but uh, it's very disappointing the way to to lose the game at the end. What was your view of the penalty decision? I mean, there's no point, you know, uh, to talk about it all. There, I want to say I would rather say that I'm very proud of my team that they showed uh, they showed everything I said now, the commitment, the quality, the. Character, team spirit, and uh, and we never uh, gave up. 
The other big talking point was obviously the red card, which left you with ten men. What about the player himself? I am, I am, I am the manager, and I want to talk about about uh, the game and uh, those decisions. I'm going to leave to to someone else to talk about it. Is the player disappointed? Have you spoken to the player? Yeah, of course I spoke to the player. But I just told you, I just told you that 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 if you want to ask me for two hours, I'm going to talk about the wealth, I'm going to talk about the quality of the game, I'm going to talk about that, that and that, but I'm going to talk about those decisions. As you said, there were a lot of positives to take from that, the way your team battled. How hard is it to play with ten men and what sort of character did they show? It's very hard to play, uh, especially that you are you already one down mm. and then you can see the second goal and then, uh, then it's very difficult to come back and on the paper it's very difficult to to keep it 2-0, basically, but that's where we show the character and the quality and everything, and we show that we are fit enough and we done it for each other uh, deservedly. We equalised, we defended when we had to defend very deep and we waited for our chances and we got them. It was our game plan at the half of the time, at the, at the half time, and unfortunately uh, we conceded the third one. Is this why you brought Javier Hernandez to the club? The goals he scored today were they typical of the player? Yeah, he's like he's a goal scorer. But also, if we are talking about him, we have to talk that, that the second half he had to play on a wing because we needed the legs. We had to have two banks of four, sometimes even six when they bomb up with the fullbacks. So he didn't only score goals. He showed a great enthusiasm and a great, uh, great defensive work as well. And before the game even kicked off, you lost Winston Reid. What's the latest on him? It's, he felt he felt uh, calf in the, during the warming up, and uh, it was like we were just talking uh, when the players were doing the warm-up. How on Monday we will have all the players back, and it's since a long, long time that we had them all. And then, and then not, it is nothing serious, but it is, it is serious enough to to rule him out for uh, this game. And you've had two difficult away games. Is it important to remember the, the manner of this performance rather than the, the actual result? Look, that's what I say. We are very disappointed. We lost a point, but we gained a lot, and uh, there are a lot of positives. Uh, that we can take from this game, a lot of them. Yeah. Thanks for talking. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. What do you think, of, you that, think of that, then, John? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's obviously taking the positives out of that, isn't he? Which he has to draw on, doesn't he? I don't think he's panicking yet. It's a long way to go, but like you say, it does make this early on in the season. It does make that Newcastle game a big game. Yeah, it does. It's a six point already, isn't it? Yeah, Save our season. <laughs> uh, so just quickly you know I touched on it um, earlier but you know we're playing our first four games away from home and that's because of the World Athletics Championships of course it is because we play in an athletic stadium so uh, Sean and John I think it's probably a, a topic that you will want to debate do you think oh, why do you want Nigel to debate it <laughs> And oh yeah, and Nigel. Well, to just I mean, I mean, you and Sean always just have it out of each other over the stadium. So I thought, you know, set you up and off you go. It's well, only two games, actually. 
why don't you just let Nigel have a little go with Sean and I'll, I'll sit out of this one. Because I so agree pretty much where Nigel You had a 50-50 chance, right? Right. Let's, let's not get too dramatic right, about this. We had a 50-50 chance of our first away game being from home and our third away game being from home. So actually, the way it worked is, right, Southampton was away. You know, we have to play everybody. So it's going to swings and roundabouts. We got, we agreed with Southampton play away from home. And unfortunately, we're playing Cheltenham away from home. And we're going to have to pay them some compensation by giving them the away. But that's going to be next to nothing. So financially, it doesn't cost us anything. Well, that's what I mean. um, It was a deal. We understood when we signed the concession agreement oh, for 99 oh, years. Stop saying we. We, the, the, we, ball, the Royal the club, we, not the Karen fans. Brady and everybody else, we knew in 2017 that we would have to start a, with an away game. Now, the I've spoken to London Stadium 185, who are responsible for this with E20. They will have the stadium back on the 25th of August, back to stadium mode. They've done really good. It takes them about nine days. But that's two days later and two days too late for the Cheltenham game. So what? One time in 99 so years. Get a grip, guys. Come on. Hold is up, it a big up, deal? You don't know it's one time in 99 years. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no. it's the only one in the contract, Nigel. So what you're Wake saying, so if the, the World roses, Athletic man. Championships want to come back to London, if... You know, if if another stadium that's bid to host it, you know, like Durban of doing with the Commonwealth Games, suddenly pull out and they're left scrambling around. Hello, we've got an athletic stadium sitting there. Are you telling me though that it just will never happen? There is no more af- major athletics meetings to be held in the London Stadium for ninety nine years. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm saying that the agreement is that you you we agreed to one time that the athletics would have the priority and over time let me tell you right and i'll repeat this there is still negotiation for athletics to relocate to birmingham and not be in there this stadium would make profit if it was not for athletics coming and doing this diamond league every um every year in the anniversary games and for a naming rights sponsor, if you do either of them, the problem goes away. So my understanding is they're trying to negotiate to move the anniversary games um, to Birmingham, maybe pay, they've got a 50-year... What does Birmingham uh, hold, fan-wise? It doesn't matter because... Of the, right, agreed the World Athletics Championship had 705,000, right? Brilliant, fantastic. That was really good, made about 26 million. Don't know where that money went, but I can guarantee you it didn't go to the stadium, right? But that's a one in 20, 30 year event. The athletics is waning each year and doesn't. So, yes, Birmingham only holds about 25,000. But really, there's not a lot to be done on that. There really isn't a lot. There isn't that demand. And I think, you know, the further we get away from 2012, and the London Olympics, brilliant that it was, the less demand there is going to be for a diamond championship, especially with, you know, Usain Bolt going, especially with Mo Farah going. These are the people that drew people, the crowds, but they're gone. Yeah, but you can't predict the future that there won't be further superstars of athletics and they will want to have it in London. If they want athletics in London, they will go to the London Stadium. 
They've already no, announced think an so. extra. They've announced an extra uh, competition in, in the London yeah, Stadium. Yeah, a two-hour piddly competition between United States of America and England of doing some I don't know push-ups. But does it not? Does does it really not make money because of the athletics? Is it solely because of the cost of realigning the seating? It, is it's it moving is the it, seating? The is seating cost. Cost every time they change it from athletic mode to stadium mode. Yeah. It costs yeah, them but, so much; it's detrimental to the. It, it, it costs so, millions, John. So they're doing, they're spending millions of pounds for a two-hour event. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Well, not only that, but you've got the anniversary games. So the anniversary games, right? They get free of charge. They don't make any money. And the stadium doesn't make any money. It's a vanity project for Lord Coe. Lord Coe has got a lot of answering to do. It was a vanity project to him. There isn't the demand, and therefore, you know, we, we they had a good run, right? Great. London Stadium is a great athletics and it showed it. But all right, we could deal with a one in 20 year event when we look at um, um, athletics, the world championships. But but to have it every year, does that make sense? Not to so me. What you're saying is they're going to scrap all athletics so that they have the concerts in the June and they have the athletics yep. in the July. And you're saying yep. there'll be no athletics in July. So they've built I, an I, athletics. In stadium. the next five years. They I will guarantee it. I'll go, I'll go a step further. On crap seating. Billions. But yeah. I'll on, go a step on a, further. On a crap seating system. So they can still have, so they can make it better for football. Remember, retractable seating was put in for football, not for athletics. It was already well, let's an let's call it relocatable seating as, as the... Uh, well, as the, relocatable. The, all that was put in for the football fans. Now, they could also turn around the mayor and london or whatever and say actually we think you need to pay more now contractually we can go we don't have to but then again uk athletics has got a contract they're the they're the main tenants of that stadium not us we're the concessionaires yep sure so you're you're painting a lovely picture on behalf of the board the reality is not quite like that though is it well, I think there's a long way to go, right? This is a government problem. All I'll say is, in the next five years, I think you'll see a change of ownership to the stadium. I see Newham owning it. And I, I see, sometime in the future, West Ham running it instead of London Stadium 185 as the operating company. That's all I'm going to say. But all that that will do thing. nothing, actually, for the stadium, though, because you know they won't ever rip up the seating and put proper permanent seating in. Hey, it can't never be say done. never, Nigel. Oh. Never say never. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, the they, they, they're going to rip up seating. And this is the thing that makes me laugh. You get people, oh, we can buy it, rip it up, hold up. They, they can get 60,000 or 66,000 fans. Who in their right mind is going to rip up the seating, spend another 150, 170 million to put seating in properly? So what? So they can have, what, 66,000 fans? Well, they can have that with the crap seating. The owners ain't bothered. They're still getting the same money. No one's going to pay the money to do that. It won't happen. Yeah. All right. Look, let's see. Let's see in a year's time. I think lots of things are going to change, particularly after the mayor's um, the mayor's uh, um, report that's going to come out later this uh, in September. Okay. So moving on, then we have part two of the David Gold interview. Now, Sean, do you remember what 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 is in part two that you want to give us? Yeah, I think I think he talks about the you know in part two he talks about the ownership 
of West Ham and, and, and the succession plan, and particularly about these, these shareholder loans and the interest they charge on it and not taking money out. So um, here it is, part two of David Gold exclusive interview with more than just a podcast in association with Clarence and Hugh. You just mentioned the Academy, and I just want to talk about that. I know you, you support the Academy. You, you were there last night at Dagenham uh, to watch them. Do you think your social media comments about teenage players finding it tough to make it for the first team have been taken out of context? Because I know it's been written about in the media that, you know, that you're you're putting the, the academy and, and, and teenage players down. Well, first of all, let me, I mean, it's good to have an opportunity to discuss it. Just remember what I said. I simply said, and, and I put in brackets, teenagers, teenagers breaking into the first a first team in the Premier League, the greatest league in the world, is difficult. I never said it was impossible. It's difficult. Um, but it's not to say that when you get to 20 and 21, it starts to get a bit easier. And you have only got to look. If you were to, let's take the first 10 games of the season, those first uh, 10 games in the Premier League. The first one was yesterday, uh, Friday night. You look at that Friday night game and, and show me how many teenagers was playing in that game. I don't know, but I would put my... Well, I was going to say I'd put my house on it, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I'm pretty confident that there were no teenagers playing in that game last night. Yeah. Were there 20-year-olds? Well, possible, but that's not a teenager. A teenager is 17, 18, 19. They're the kind of levels of teenagers breaking in to the Premier And I remember, uh, was it, uh, was it um, the 1980 um, Cup final, West Ham, Clive Allen, was it not Clive Allen, Paul Allen, wasn't it? Come on, yeah, come on, yeah, Sean, yeah, you're yeah. the expert. Um, yeah. <laughs> was, I think it was Paul Allen, 17 years of age, playing in a, in a Cup final against Arsenal. I think it was that game. Um, I mean, that was unbelievable. Would you see that today, a 17-year-old? I mean, it happens once every decade. I think Rooney, you know, was... Uh, Michael Owen as well, I think. Was Michael Owen was one. Yeah, but they are so rare, and they are the cream of the cream. So the point that I'm making is, it is difficult for teenagers. Now, is it difficult for teenagers to break in into the, the, um, in a Ryman League? Yes. It's not too difficult to break into it in the Ryman League because a, a young 17-year-old or an 18-year-old is not... The first team isn't full of internationals. It's full of um, part-time uh, players. So he's got a better chance of, of getting into the first. But the Premier League is virtually impossible. That was the point that I was making. But that's not to say... I and mean, we, at the moment, I watched the, our, our players last night. We've got two players, two young players. Uh, that have gone to Bolton on loan. Mm. Uh, great prospects. We've got a number that didn't play last night. Well, I saw Decker and Rice and, and young Holland were missing. So I, they I weren't saw, there. That's I put two and two together and made five. And, of course, Decker and Rice um, is, is only 18 as well. And yeah. uh, I, I'll be, I know, I'm not asking you for the team, but I'll be very surprised if he's not sitting on the bench or playing, you know, travelling with the squad to Manchester tomorrow. You're absolutely right. That is absolutely true. You know that uh, we've. Got, I think we've got one of the best group of young players uh, that, uh, for, for a long, long time, and, and without me being specific, 
for a long time. We've got a good group of young players. Some of them have come through the academy. Some have been brought in. But we've got some very, very exciting young players. But are they going to get in the team when they're uh, 17, 18, 19? I doubt it. But what, it, what they are is that they're being groomed to be um, uh, to give them the opportunity to break into the Premier into our into our team in in when they get into their twenties, twenty one, twenty two, and and then you will see them blossom. I think I think it's a quite exciting time. We've we've got access. Apparently, here we've been speaking to uh, Terry Westley, uh, and we're starting to do more promotion on the whole academy. And I think it's probably again one of the most exciting points in the academy uh, that we can get that glory back. That 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 either people will be breaking through to the first team, or that they go on to further their career elsewhere, and we make a handsome profit. And I think that's all you can ask for. Um, the days of us being the only academy are long gone. You know, everybody's investing money in academies. But if you look at Chelsea, they've got wonderful facilities. But how many of their players break through to the first team? Hardly any. I can't think of one at all from, from Chelsea. No. Well, last year they didn't play one minute of um, of a teenager. Uh, not one minute. I think Everton was the the biggest one with, I think, uh, a thousand minutes or something, um, but overall, uh, it's a tiny, tiny percent of teenagers that are breaking into the Premier League. Um, and just to com- uh, complete that um, scenario, I was saying that last night there were, I, I'm fairly sure there wasn't a single uh, teenager playing, uh, and, and now we've got um, nine more matches to go because there's 10 matches the first 10 matches of the season I would be very surprised if there's more than two or three teenagers that will play any part in those games yeah I'm uh, sure you're right and I'm, I'm in other words we've got to, uh, really we've got to face the facts of life this isn't deriding the young players it's just that the the um, there's a there's a movement in the way the way it happened in, in years gone by it was easier for a teenager to break in to the first team now it's more difficult that's not to say our teenagers I want to tell you are fitter more equipped more talented than they've ever been um, but their competition to get into the into the first team is so considerable these are uh, um, a team full of internationals um, you know you imagine a young young goalkeeper uh, at 17 what chance has he got of breaking into the into our first team when you've got Hart, an England international, and Adrian, who is likely to uh, be a, a Spanish uh, international in the not too distant future. Yeah. What chance does an 18-year-old have? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he'll have a better chance when he's 19 and a better chance when he's 20, 21, 22. But at 17, he's got no chance. Yeah. But that That's doesn't... Good. I've always cleared it up. Yeah. The, okay. I mean, I, the problem is, you know, it's 140 characters on Twitter. And you can I know. Something and it could be taken out of context and, and become, you know, back page news in, in the tabloids overnight, can't it? Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. <laughs> yeah. can, can we move on to sure. the, um, on, on West Ham? And I know you've covered this a few times, but I just wanted to get some clarity on it. Um, Karen Brady on her own website values West Ham at £800 million at the moment, and I, I know that it's as much as someone will be prepared to pay for it. 
Is there any circumstances that you would sell some or all of your shares at all? Or is it, I know you've repeatedly said you're handing your, your shares down to your, your daughters and, and, and you want them to, to carry on, on the legacy. But do you see any circumstances where you would sell? This repeatedly comes up. People say, yeah, yeah, it's all a smokescreen. Once the, um, the government sharing of 10 years happens of giving money back if you sell it with the, the London Stadium Agreement, which I think is 2026, they'll be off and they'll be out and they'll be cashing in a billion pounds. Um, I think David Sullivan's made it clear uh, that... You know, he, ha he has no desire to sell his shares. Um, I have made it clear time and time again that I have no desire to sell my shares. My love and passion in my life um, all revolves around West Ham. I've achieved many, many things in my life. Um, and the most driving force in my life is, is, is my football club, our football club. Um, and to that end... Um, uh, so I don't know many clubs in the Premier League where the values go backwards. So here's from a commercial point of view. Yeah. The values of football clubs have gone up and up and up. Uh, you look at Arsenal. I can remember when it was valued at, at uh, 300 million. It's probably now worth 3 billion. Um, clubs in the main, the values are going up. Of course, um, if a club gets relegated from the Premier League and then gets relegated into the fourth division, uh, um, yes, then the values go down. But in the main, the, the stalwarts of, um, of, um, of the Premier League, the values go up and up as the years go by. So um, why would I sell? Well, um, it's my life. Um, if I sell... Uh, what do I do? Go fishing? Um, you know, um, I, I just love the, the involvement. I love, I, you know, as a young boy, um, a, a, a reporter once said to me, standing outside of, uh, of, of uh, Green, uh, my 442 Green Street where I live, uh, looking across uh, at uh, the stadium, uh, said to me, when you were a, a seven-year-old boy, did you ever believe you would own West Ham United? And I said to him, when I was a seven-year-old boy, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever it was, um, I used to dream of owning a bike. Um, so I fulfilled my my wildest dreams, and I and, I, and the point there really was to say I didn't even dream of of um, being part of uh, of the ownership of West Ham United, my beloved club, and here I am now. Um, a joint owner with my friend and colleague, um, and uh, why? Why would I want to sell? The only time that you would sell is in the event that you believed that the, the buyer could do a better job than you. And at the moment, we are doing a decent job. We that we've never had an offer. Um, uh, we've never had a situation where we've had to say, "Well, do you know uh, what?" for the best interest of the football club we should sell um, that's never occurred so until that happens we don't have the we don't have an issue and even then I would want and I'm sure um, David would want also uh, to be part 
part of, of a new regime, if ever, if ever there was such a thing. But right now, we're very, very happy. Uh, uh, and we think we're doing okay. We think yeah. we're doing okay. You know, it's difficult. We've been through a most traumatic uh, event in, in probably the history of, uh, of our football club in migrating um, to a new stadium. Um, and uh, and we think we're doing okay. We think we're... You're always going to get the haters, David, and that's always the case because, you know, there are always going to be the people that knock you up. But I think most people have considered... You know, and, and considering the chairman have gone before at West Ham, yeah. that you know all, all owners make mistakes. Um, but but you've got the you know the heart of the club, and and to you know financially in particular, you know from the Armageddon we were to where we are, um, then there's been a, a, a big movement. I, I, just, I just wanted to go back to um, succession planning. Obviously, Jack Sullivan has done his work experience in different departments in, in West Ham. He's been made managing director of West Ham Ladies. Is there a possible addition with uh, your daughters, uh, Vanessa or Jacqueline, taking a seat at the board or taking some future um, um, involvement in the club? Well, um, the situation would be that um, my daughters would inherit my, my shares uh, as indeed uh, David Sullivan, young David Sullivan and young Jack will. Mm. Um, Jack uh, um, is, is clearly being groomed, as you can see. Uh, um, and he, his passion for the football club is, is quite clear. Uh, my daughters uh, are business uh, women um, and their contribution uh, in the future, would, actually, I would think, would be, uh, un, um, would be very valuable. Um, and uh, I could see uh, both uh, both the Sullivan boys and and the and, and the Gold Girls, so to speak, um, forming a board that uh, would be um, would be well balanced uh, with uh, with the passion of the football. Don't forget, my daughters are passionate fans um, mm. as well. Um, They've got obviously responsibilities at this at this stage of, of running of running Ann Summers the business, um, but that that wouldn't preclude them from being on the board um, at West Ham in some time in the future. As indeed the young the young Sullivans would would also be part and parcel of it. So you know, uh, and and this is how David Sullivan and I see see the succession. You know that. Um, but you never know. I mean, there's a long way to go. Uh, hopefully, um, I'm going to live to 100. Uh, I know it's good news. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing everything to ensure that that happens. Um, but yes, uh, you, you know, this, this is a... Uh, it, you know, they talk about West Ham being a family. But the board is also a family when you take the, the Sullivans and you take the Golds. Um, uh, it's a family thing. Um, uh, and... You know what with the West Ham claiming that it's uh, that we're more than a football club that it's the and I think you often hear Mark Mark Noble talk about uh, the family the West Ham yeah. family. <clears throat> I think that um, that we are part and parcel of that. Yeah, I, w- I want to ask one more probably contentious question before we move on your your views of the season ahead before we finish the interview, and that is a clarity on 
Uh, I know you and David have said you never draw a salary, you never take expense of West Ham, and, and, and to my knowledge, and I, I follow the finances, you never have. Um, but the shareholder loans keep on going up, and, and, and people speculate. Uh, obviously, um, my understanding is yourself and David loaned around £50 million to West Ham when, when they were relegated in the early days of the injection of capital when no banks would lend you money. The contention is interest is charged between 6 and 7%, and that's been accruing, and, and that's due for repayment on the 1st January 2020 with a little bit paid back last year. There are some supporters who claim if you're passionate and you're fans, you shouldn't be charging interest. Can you, can you clear up this um, well, dispute I, 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 and, and what okay. people... Right. When we came into the club, the club had some very caustic debts where they were paying interest at 10%. And not only were they paying a high, a high rate of interest, but they were caustic in the sense that what could happen there is that, um, that the, if the club couldn't meet the repayments or the interest, uh, they could foreclose and put the club into administration. That's what a caustic de- debt is. If the debt is our debt, we're not going to foreclose. So we're a safer lender. We're a safer lender because we're only ever going to take our re- – and don't forget, you're, uh, uh, going back to the original, the original was that these debts, interest on these debts, were at a very high high rate. The reason was that people didn't want to lend money to West Ham United Football Club uh, 10 years ago. So the interest rates were very high. We replaced those high interest rates with a lower interest rate. So the minute we we put the money in and paid off those debts, we reduced so that West Ham United Football Club, and I'm just rounding these figures up, um, we're paying 10%, 10%, now West Ham United Football Club, our football club, is only paying interest at 6%. Mm-hmm. So that's good news, yes, Sean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree. From a business point of view, it is. I think that what some fans will say, if, you love, if you're fans, you love the club, are you a businessman or are you a fan? They claim you should charge no interest at all. Okay. I'm not in that <laughs> camp because I understand business and financing. Um, right, but that, that, that's what the 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 board, okay, the well let, board people would say. Yeah, well, let me let me answer that. To loan West Ham money, it wasn't money that was under the bed that we took out and gave to West Ham, and now we're earning six percent. That's not true. Yeah. To be able to fund those loans, I had to remove investments that were returning me ten percent plus. Yeah. So I cash in my investments that was showing me a 10% minimum return and I loaned that money to West Ham at 6%. So I'm now 4% worse off. West Ham are 4% better off because they were borrowing money at 10% and now they're only borrowing it at 6%. So everybody, the football club is better off. It's more secure. The only losers are David Sullivan and myself because we're loaning money at a lower interest than we were. Yes. I'm really glad you said that because I think people do think you had 50 million under the bed. And yeah, well, you I just mean, got you brought know. some suitcases <laughs> in and said, there you go, cash, there's the cash, you know. Yeah, and, you know, and they're, 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 if you like, they're the, it's the, these uh, investments are basically 
the inheritance of my daughters, you know, and I have a responsibility to ensure that I'm doing sensible things. And I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not doing what Mark Goldberg did. I'm not doing what Simon Jordan did, which was to take their wealth, pump it into the football club, and then wake up one morning and their £36 million that they sold their businesses for has disappeared. Yeah. Now what use is Mark Goldberg's Crystal Palace? Yeah. What use is Simon Jordan now to Crystal Palace? And I'm just yeah. naming two because um, I had involvements with them and I know them. Um, very nice, um, you know, genuine football fans, genuinely cared about their football club, and yet they went broke and so did their football club. Yeah. Now, what they probably did, and I'm only making this up and really just to make the point, they probably loaned the money to Crystal Palace for no interest. Or they gave it to Crystal Palace. Yeah. But the bottom line is Crystal Palace went into administration. Simon Jordan lost all, most of his money and Mark Goldberg lost all of his money. So what good is that if you've got um, businessmen running your business into the ground? Yeah. What you want yeah. is measured businessmen that uh, that recognise the, the dangers of, uh, of of not being prudent. Yeah. Well, on, on that, and this is my last uh, uh, business-type question before I ask you about your hopes for the season uh, and we finish, is the transfer business. Slavin Bilic said in his press conference yesterday, I don't know if you've heard it, that the, the net spend was around $10 million. Um, I, I make it closer to $20 million, but there's some supporters say we should have spent $100 million this summer to compete with everyone. What, what, what is it? The, do, you, do you set a particular transfer budget? but don't spend it if you have to, because people believe you should spend everything in the transfer budget and and that's it. And you always get that mentality from some supporters. Yeah, well, of course. And when I was a supporter, <coughs> you know, um, I can remember calling out to the chairman, I can't remember his name, whoever it was, you know, uh, spend the money, bring in a centre forward, uh, one that scores goals. Um, but really what I was saying was gamble. Gamble with your money, not with mine, by the way. Uh, gamble with, with your... Come on, Chairman, gamble. Yeah. Um, that's what I was saying as a fan. Because I wanted new players, I wanted to win. I wanted success. I didn't think of going bust. Never occurred to me. Just spend all your money, um, all the club's money and all your money in ensuring success of our football club. That's, that's what we want. That's what drives it drives us all, but the bottom line, and, and how often have you, you know, if you listen, uh, read Twitter and you see um, uh, fans saying, pay him what he wants. Yeah, all the time. Pay the club whatever they want, whatever yeah. it takes to get in so-and-so player. We want him. Pay them what they want. Well, you go bust. I mean, if yeah. the, you, you imagine, you know, um, you're going to have some repairs on your house house and, and, and the wife says to you pay him what he wants I mean, it's, it's you know it, it, in any other um, way of life nobody would ever say pay him what he wants are oh, you going to go out and buy a, buy a second hand car today well just pay, pay him what he wants no but in football that is where it all changes 
And that's when people lose that. You know, they're so overwhelmed by the uh, their optimism and their excitement of the future. They want to win football matches. We all do. And to that end, they would say, pay him what he wants. And, and they're in. And I bet that happened to Simon Jordan and to, yeah. to Mark Goldberg, you know. I mean, Slav's right, 10 million net spend sounds very good business from from a business point of view. Um, But I assume we've got more money, uh, and I'm not going to push you about, you know, negotiations that are ongoing at the moment. I assume we've got more money if the right player that Slav wants comes along before the the transfer window. Well, we will find the money. I mean, either the company finds the money or that we will back it. I mean, <clears throat> all the debts in the, in the company are all backed by David Sullivan and myself. Uh, we wouldn't be able to borrow money without uh, the security that comes from uh, from David and myself. Hmm. Um, so if we do go the extra mile, um, it's us that's uh, um, supporting it, but not to the extent that we're going to engage in the football club. No, fair play. You've been very transparent and honest. I'm just going to ask you my final... uh, I said thanks for that. You've been very transparent and honest in all of the the, the answers to the... You know, some of the tricky questions I've answered you. Mm. Uh, The the final question really is your hopes for this season. You know, we're we're playing Manchester United uh, away at Old Trafford. I think we're 10 to 1 if you wanted to have a bet to win. Um, What what is your hopes for this season? What, What league position would you personally... Uh, be happy with and and have you got a, 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 a sort of cup run prediction as well for this season? Yeah, I mean this is not any pressure on anybody. This is a personal yeah, view um, of mine um, based on the business we've done. Uh, of course, I don't have a. Uh, I can't see into the future, so the issue um, we've all experienced it. Uh, it's injuries. Last year we had. Um, a poor transfer window, plus we had a unbelievable run of injuries. The last game against Burnley, we had eight players injured. Um, arguably, uh, they could all got into the uh, into the first eleven, or at least on the bench. In other words, the eighteen players uh, that travelled, those eight players, I'm sure, would have been. Uh, seven out of those eight would have been in the um, on that coach. Um, so there's no doubt that injuries will had did did last year play a big part in the fact that we couldn't beat our previous uh, league position, which is something that we're always looking to do improve on last year. Um, so to that end, it revolves around injuries that we don't have those horrendous injuries that we had last season we start off going to Manchester United with four injuries but those four injuries um, are uh, you know hopefully they're only two three weeks away from um, being back in the first division uh, being in the first team so you know I'm very optimistic I think that uh, Andy Carroll uh, will play a part this year uh, a bigger part than he played last year. I think Sacco will play a bigger part this year than he played last year. So they're almost like new players. We've hardly mentioned Andy Carroll 
and Sacco, and yet two fantastic strikers. Um, on their day, on their day, Andy Carroll is unplayable, and Sacco is is a, a top quality player. So, but ev- nobody speaks about them. It's as if they've disappeared um, because of their injury re- uh, record. But I am optimistic that both will play a substantial part in this coming season. To that end, and keeping my fingers crossed <laughs> that uh, the injuries are going to be uh, considerably less um, than last last season, uh, I'd be disappointed if we don't um, do better than eighth. I'd be okay. disappointed if we're below uh, eighth place. I also um, would be disappointed if we don't have a, a decent run or even get to one of the finals of the of the two major cups. That's how optimistic I am. Um, and it's not blind optimism. You know, I am a fan, and of course, as a fan, uh, we, we do tend to be optimistic at the beginning, and then we're disappointed as the uh, as the season progresses. But I think it's it's measured optimism. Um, when you fulfil, when you're able to fulfil um, your manager's uh, requirements of players being brought in, all, all four of his first first choices were met this season. That's that's you know terrific. I also am optimistic that they are uh, one or two young men um, coming through the ranks that I think will um, could emerge. Um, this season um, and be something special um, but only time will tell yeah well I think to Daily Mail um, an article yesterday to uh, analysts said West Ham could be the dark horse and Quarles the bookmakers said they will take an absolute <laughs> killing if West Ham win the Premier League that a lot of West Ham even more optimistic than you if West Ham win the Premier League like Leicester did uh, they they will will have to pay out very large um, on optimistic West Ham fans who to win the Premier League. <laughs> I have to say, I have to say that um, to balance that, that what Leicester did happens once in a hundred years. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's not to say it couldn't happen again, uh, and that a, a team outside of the recognised top six, you know, doesn't break through and surprise everybody. Um, Excellent. And. I, I just, uh, I just feel it's time. You know, every club has its time. Um, you know, West Ham uh, uh, surprisingly beat uh, all the odds to win the uh, to win the FA Cup in 1980, and I was there. Um, yeah. And it was, um, uh, you know, the odds were, were no different to the odds of going to Manchester United. I'm sure, if my memory serves me right. I think West Ham on the day to win the FA Cup in 1980 was 10 to 1. Um, yeah, we yeah. nearly did it in 2006 as well. So, um, and, and oh, we also uh, were against the set. I can't, I, you know, even today, I will never, ever, I mean, every time I yeah, think of that game it. and see it on TV, how could we, you know, how could, um, um, I'll try and think of his name now. Who scored the goal? No, who scored the goal to equalise? You remember um, Lionel Gerard. No, oh, Gerard. Gerard. Yeah, yeah. The cross scored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and even then, I just even when he struck the ball, I was quite confident that it it, it would have been saved. It just was a freak 
you know, just inside the post by an inch. Um, okay, I'm over it. I'm over yes, it. Sean. Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for being a guest on more than just a podcast. Good luck for the rest of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, hope to speak to you maybe at the end of the season and, and see uh, how we did. Thank you, Sean. I enjoyed talking to you. All right. Cheers, DG. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, then. Uh, that's David Gold's interview all done. John, what do you think of that? Uh, same as last week. I'll tell you when I've listened to it. <laughs> Sean, do you have to leave now, do you? I do. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's a little bit of holiday emergency at the moment. Did you do any um, any uh, Facebook or Twitter questions today, Georgie? I did. I've got a few now. Can I say my goodbyes now, early? Okay, you, you say goodbye, Sean. Uh, thank you for 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 joining me from Spain. Uh, I'm going to give my prediction early. Um, I believe we're going to win, win 1-0 against Cheltenham and we're going to win 1-0 against Newcastle. Come on, you Irons! And I'll be back next week. See ya. Will you Bye. still be away next week? I will still be away next week, but I hope to join after happy hour again. One last thing. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, missing you. Yeah, miss you already. Miss you, miss you already. Missing you more. It's time <laughs> for this. It's Facebook, Twitter question time. Um, so I put on our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash more than just a podcast. And our Twitter at more TGA podcast, literally only 30 minutes ago, because I forgot. Hands up. Um, it. <laughs> we're about to record it in a second. I I, Sean Any asked you, you blagged it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. it, haven't I? Yeah, well done. Because no one else does anything for podcasts apart from Sean. Uh, I did say, any comments on the ref on in Saturday's game? Send in any questions or comments now and we'll read them out. So we've got uh, only a couple. Paul Sanders says, do you guys think that Carvalho will come despite the two defeats? To be honest, I don't think the two defeats are going to bother him. If he wants his move, he'll get his move. But, you know, it has gone a bit quiet, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're waiting. The way I see it is that there's a release clause. West Ham won't pay it. Uh, Lisbon then therefore under no pressure to sell the player until deadline day if no one else has come in and done a deal if they want to take our 30 million euros pesos or whatever it is we've offered 30 million of uh, then I'd imagine the deal done so it could be a don't go to bed uh, DG tweet on deadline day for me we like those Uh, and he Paul also says do you agree that we've not had a stronger squad for ages and should finish eighth. Well, on paper, I guess, yeah, but it, it doesn't matter what happens on paper, does I it? Don't know. I don't know. I mean, you see some of these, like, you know, like the same font, look like a like a decent short-term replacement for Ogbonu being out when he signed, but he hasn't done it. Are you? Look like an upgrade on what we had, but he hasn't done it. Yeah, so, I don't know. I wouldn't say we're stronger than we we been is it because that for that's a pilot season last season at Bowie Lane all that coming together I think we were stronger then I, I can't see us finishing eighth I can't moment. see us finishing eighth either 
Lewis Aaron Trout says it should have been at least three red cards. So I'm guessing he's saying the Arnautovic one that happened, but then Noble and the elbow on Arnautovic. Um, no, that Tadic, wasn't it? There was that Tadic went through. Oh, yeah. Um, it could have been four then. Chicharito, didn't he? Well, I don't think that Arnautovic going down was would have been red card. The, the bloke jumped with his hands in, arm in the air. That's what you're supposed to do if you're going to jump. Yeah, but you saw Robson Carnu, he got sent off for a similar thing, didn't he? Yeah, well, I, I thought Arnautovic made a bit of a meal with it myself. Inconsistencies all round, yet again from referees. Anyway, very harsh last minute penalty, but that doesn't excuse the poor management again. So he's going for Bilic. Rice is a centre back. Why, why pick Fonte ahead of Ogbonna? And why start with a not match fit Antonio? Because he is desperate. He has to go. Wow. Oh dear. There it is. I thought Antonio had done well, to be fair. Yeah, it so did I. Bright, it was bright and, yeah. And I think, actually, we should mention Declan Rice. I thought he had a good game in centre mid. Yeah. Bad for his good. first Premier League start. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It, it, it's, you could bring, hopefully we'll get Chiarty back and then that'll be a nice problem to have if Chiarty comes, because Chiarty could go centre-half easy and play Rice yeah, or, or yeah. centre-half. Yeah, but you know, need it, Fonte is just not he's not the answer, is he? So he's got to change it about. No. Um, I'm just checking Twitter. No. What do we make? What do we make of all this? Uh, in the last two or three days, they've they've publicly announced that um, uh, Carol they'd be open to offers for Carol, and they'd be open to offers for Snodgrass. It's unusual, isn't it, for clubs to put that out there like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'd like to personally try a game of Andy Carroll, get him fit and play him with Hernandez because I think those two on form could be very hard to deal with. But Snodgrass, I, I, I don't really mind if he goes tomorrow. I don't mind if either of them go. I've, Sacco's the one for me. If he, if he's going to be playing and back, then cut your losses with Carroll. You keep one, let one go. If I was out of preference, I'd prefer Sacco over Carroll. Yeah, I mean, Sacco's got a lot of promise, I do. He's just never again another one who's not delivered because he's been injured all the time. So hopefully they got to the bottom of that now. Well, but it was also attitude problems for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. He doesn't never smile, does he? <laughs> a lot of people seem to fall out with Billet. That's a worry. Billet seems to be having problems with a lot of players. There's a lot of players that have got attitude problems and normally that's coming from the management. They've got a problem with the management and I'm wondering whether that there's a discord behind the scenes that we've yet to hear about. Oh, conspiracy. There you go. That's it for Facebook to the question time. Only a couple because I've got to do it. Anyway, predictions for this week. And weekend, please. Cheltenham away and Newcastle away. Nigel, you go first. Uh, oh, without knowing the I don't team, want to put you on the spot or anything. Yeah, I'd, I, well, I'll go for a win. But if, if we put the kids out, I'd, I'd be a little bit worried. Um, Newcastle, I think we will win. I, I can see us getting a 1 or 2 nil up there. They're poor. Yeah. yeah, they don't look great, do they? John? Um, 
I, I think we said last week, I, I think he should put out his strongest team he can put out just to try and get some cohesion back in the team. So I reckon we will win. I reckon we'll do them sort of 2-3-0. Um, Newcastle, I hope and I think and I want to win and I think it'll just be tight and nervy because it's West Ham and it'll be 1-0. Yeah, I agree with you on the the team choice for Wednesday. I think it's important we get this group of players gelling. So I'll go for, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win at Cheltenham and a one-all draw at Newcastle. I think we're still... I think they'll be up for it big time given their two sort of poor results there in desperate need of a win. a decent and think, team and people get injured, there'll be a lot of finger pointing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a risk, <laughs> yeah. it's a risk for him, but, you know, that's why he gets but paid they, the big bucks. They've come out publicly and said they want to win a cup. Uh, this is a cup. We're not going to win anything else, are we? So he's he's got to put his best out for these cup games. Well, that's it for Mondra's podcast, episode two of season seven. Um, we'll be back next week, will we? Yeah, we will. Um, so yeah, we will. Yeah. We will. Oh, I'm just thinking, there's an international break soon already, isn't there? It's Sean, Sean will still be in Spain, I think. Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> uh, so it's goodbye from me George it's bye from me John and it's goodbye from him Nigel bye I come on you irons Bobby Moore more than just a podcast Bobby Moore more than just a podcast